Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways we can promote positive change in musical theater. Let's jump right in. All right. What is the puzzler that you have for us today, Tim? Okay, I came up, came up with a great one for you all. Great. Here we go. What musical opened on Broadway in 1921 that was written, produced, directed, and performed all by black artists? I know the answer to this puzzler. I'm sure you do, but we're going to come back <laughs> at the very end of our podcast and we're going to uh, discover that answer together. Perfect. So moving forward, what's in the news this week? The first thing I want to talk about is the new musical, uh, Flying Over Sunset. Mm -hmm. This is the musical with the team James Lapine, Tom Kitt, Michael Corey. And they just announced the actors that are going to be playing the three principal roles. Yes. Uh, so we have Tony Yazbek is going to be coming back to Broadway. Many of us love him. Uh, Carmen Cusack is coming back. Who, from Bright Star. Yeah, that's right. Many of us know her from uh, playing Mount Alice Murphy in Bright Star. And also Harry Haddon Patton is also returning to round out the trio of principal roles for this musical. And what I found really interesting about this musical is that it is about inspired by three people from real people from mm -hmm. our history. Absolutely. And where they are experimenting with LSD. And I... And if I'm correct, uh, they actually did this. Yes. Uh, and In uh, real life, on yeah. their own. That's uh -huh. that's act one. And then act two is them... Kind of takes a fictitious turn where yes. they all get together and experiment together. Correct. Which uh, did not happen in real right. life. Exactly. But I'm excited about that because the topic um, with LSD is something that we haven't really seen uh, on Broadway. This is going to be a really interesting musical. Yes. So we'll check that one out. So what else is going on? Okay, so the second uh, thing I want to talk about is The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. They just announced their Broadway cast. Yeah, and really cool. Uh, the entire cast 2019 touring company is going to be returning to star on Broadway uh, for their limited engagement. And usually that doesn't happen. Usually they replace some of the principal roles with big names, but the entire touring company is going to get to... Uh, perform on Broadway together again. That's awesome. And this went from off-off Broadway to a touring uh, production and right. now to Broadway, right? That's right. Exciting. Uh, the next item I want to talk about is, I'm really excited about this musical. So Carolina Change yes. is coming back to Broadway, originally in 2004 on Broadway, mm -hmm. now coming back from a, for a, for a, um, a revival production. And it is coming from the West End, correct? That's right. So it just finished up a really successful run on the West End. And it, they're uh, actually going to be keeping its leading vehicle star actress, Sharon D. Clark, who actually won the Olivier Award. Right. Uh, and she's going to be starring on Broadway this season. And I think I am beyond excited to see the show because I never got to see it in 2004. Uh, and of course, it's written... Uh, the music is written by one of our favorite composers. The amazing Janine Tesori. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on Fun Home right now. So it's an exciting um, new musical to come back to Broadway. Not only because of Janine Tesori and Tony Kushner, who wrote the books and lyrics, and bringing Sharon from the West End, but also because it is the, the story is about a black woman working as a maid for a white Jewish family in the midst of the civil rights movement. That's right. And I think it's I think it's a timely show and I think it's got a really important message to tell and I think it's going to really resonate with our contemporary audiences for musical theater. Yes. Next up, I want to talk about the Moulin Rouge 
the, the Moulin Rouge, the Broadway musical, mm-hmm. of course. And they just released a little uh, teaser for the album. The album release date is August 30th, mm-hmm. coming up very, very soon in what, just a few days or so. And the Sparkling Diamond song was released, sung by... The amazing Karen Olivo, who we all know, of course, starred in the revival of West Side Story and In the Heights. A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss this this uh, album coming out is going to feature uh, all the songs, of course, from the show that's running on Broadway right now. And they're kind of teasing our uh, the listeners in the audience with this one particular song that kind of features a mashup of different songs from the 60s and 70s and contemporary, mu- uh, t- contemporary pop music. Uh, very much so like it was done in the film. Exciting. Yeah. Also, I want to mention that Waitress the Musical announced a replacement for Jenna coming up, Jordan Sparks from American Idol. And she's going to be going in September 16th through October 27th as Jenna. To bring in someone of color to play this role, I think is really exciting because it's showing us that we can kind of take a different route in terms of non-traditional casting. And and there's nothing in the script that dictates that it has to be one particular race. And so no. I think it's really cool to see someone like Jordan Sparks come in and to assume this role of Jenna, allowing for young women of color who are coming up in the musical theater to have an opportunity to say, you know what, I could play Jenna in Waitress. And then the last item I want to talk about is Hercules. The musical, and don't get too excited, it's not going to Broadway, or at least that's what they're saying right now. It's going to get a week-long run at the Delacorte Theater in Central Park. This is with Broadway Works, which is part of Mm -hmm. the public, um, not Broadway Works, the Public Works, which is a part of the Public Theater. And it's going to be a week-long run for free in Central Park. We all love free. (laughs) (laughs) They do it every year. It is a huge undertaking that is based on the 1997 animated film and when I was looking into this there's uh, like 117 people on stage it is directed by a female exciting who is um, the artistic director and the resident director for this program Mm -hmm. and it brings people from New York from from all the different boroughs and it brings different there's like um, a high school band in it and a few different other groups that are going to be a part of this massive undertaking. And and what I love about what uh, the public theater is doing, public works is doing, is that they're really following that mission that Joseph Papp had intended when he had actually started this whole experiment yes. in Central Park, which is to bring the highest quality theater to the masses for free. Yes. And how great is it in 2019, with the cost of ticket prices these days, we can still bring amazing quality musical theater and theater in general to audiences of all of all backgrounds completely free. And what I thought was really interesting when I was reading the articles about this musical and information is that the role, the leading role of Hercules is played by the actor Jelani Aladdin. That's right. And uh, what I thought was so inspiring is that we are starting to see all kinds of different people in roles that are leading roles and in roles of being a hero on stage. And I think what I was starting to discover as I was going through the news, if you think about it, we're really talking about people of color Mm -hmm. on stage in roles that are not about race. That's right. 
non-traditional casting. I think that's where we're, we're starting to see a trend, an upward trend in, in the uh, imagination of these producers and these directors and creative teams that are saying, you know what, for shows that have been having these solid runs, for example... Um, like Waitress. Waitress, for example, enjoyed an amazing run. Of course, unfortunately, it's going to close, but... We've gotten to see a myriad of different kinds of Jennas go into this role. And yes. to see someone like Jordan Sparks go in as a person of color, I think it just reiterates the fact that... I can be on Broadway. That's we, me. I, I see myself. That's now, right. I'm not a person of color, but a person of color can say, I see myself on stage being represented. And I think that's something we have to encourage and promote on a more regular basis. Uh, also, look at Oklahoma, the the current revival run of Oklahoma. Right. Uh, is it Rebecca Naomi Jones who's playing the role of Lori? Uh, again, non traditional casting, but it's having a successful run. And this particular concept, it, it's it's there's nothing in Oklahoma that really dictates that you know the role of Lori has to be specified by one uh, by one uh, race. And remember, there was a production last year of um, they did an all black cast of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. like, and it was based on a town in Oklahoma that was all predominantly black. And I'm from Oklahoma, <laughs> and I know a lot of people. You know, everyone has their own opinion, and every opinion is valid, of course. But it's such a delight, and and where we want to see the change. We always talk about yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. The change we want to see, and a change where casting is not just based on what it's always been like or what is traditionally done. That's right. And of course, we know that there are certain roles, certain shows that where race is a factor. You know, look at Ragtime, you look at Dreamgirls, you look at specific shows where the race is a conversation that's being had in the show. And I think it's important that we promote representation and diversity on a continuous basis especially traditional shows like those classics, we need to uh, uh, allow ourselves as directors and choreographers and producers to say, let's think outside the box. Let's not just go with what has traditionally been done. What unique perspective can we bring to these classic shows or even these new shows like Waitress that are running? And how can we promote greater diversity on the Broadway stage by utilizing non-traditional casting? I know on a personal basis... uh, I'm getting ready to uh, direct a production of Bright Star at right. Fullerton College. Yes. And one thing that I really want to uh, do with this show is move away, veer away from what has traditionally been done in terms of casting. I know predominantly the show has been cast through a white lens. Which is absolutely fine. Absolutely. That's, that there's was the original attention. Yeah. But there's nothing in the script that dictates that race is a, a major conversation in the show. So what... What I'm, I'm curious to see, of course, we have to see who turns out for the show, but... Right. I, I want to explore that idea of non-traditional casting with my production. I think that's something that we're both passionate about as well. Absolutely. And I even think the idea that we we have to call it, which, I mean, we're in 2019. Mm-hmm. We're becoming more and more progressive every every week, every month, every year. But I really hope that someday we get to a point where we don't have to say non-traditional casting or colorblind casting. Exactly that it is based upon the director's concept and that you can be seen for any role, no matter what you your skin color is, your race, your background, your history, your gender, your identity, that it is just who is the best for that role and for that production 
specifically for that concept, right? That's right. And I'm going to lay down a challenge to any directors or choreographers or or Mm -hmm. artistic directors out there who we all use the term colorblind casting in our audition notices. The question and the challenge, the gauntlet that I have for everyone (laughs) to throw down is, can you not only just talk the talk, can you walk the walk? Can you actually make that an important and integral part of your casting process? If you're going to say it, do it. Commit to it. Have the imagination to think outside the box in terms of casting to promote greater diversity and inclusion in this craft. Yes. Like, for example, we saw The Little Mermaid, the live action film. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's already announced casting. Right. We There was an announce that Haley... Bailey Mm -hmm. was playing the role of Little Mermaid. And we all know she's a person of color. Right. And it was announced and there was in our community, there was a a, uh, an uproar on both sides. It's completely absurd. An uproar of, yes, we're seeing someone that is perfect for the role and that the directors wanted to take that next step. And they're wanting to change the idea that a mermaid has to be somebody of white because that's how she was originally. And it was it was really kind of disheartening to, to to open up my Twitter feed and find that there were so many people that actually had backlash against the the casting of someone of color in the role of Ariel. And I find it completely absurd because it's one, a mermaid, and two, do cartoons should cartoons have a color? I mean a race or a color? It's it's a fictitious mermaid. Sure. So, I think though that if we if we think about it, people get really upset though because it's very nostalgic. And I think that's something to unpack. When people get upset about it, it's because it's different. It's it's something that, that they're not used to. And the, Yeah, and I agree. Right? And that's usually when it comes to non-traditional casting. When people go to the theater to watch a role that has been cast through a particular lens in the past, I think that initial moment of kind of a little bit of anxiety. Oh, this, of, is, oh, different. this is different. I, I don't know how to I don't know how to channel this or how to, what to think about this because it's different. And that's what the response was with even musical Oklahoma, the revival right. on Broadway. It was different, and a lot of people didn't like it, and some people had mixed feelings, and that's okay. That's why I love theater. There is something for everybody. But what we are trying to advocate for is a, a bit of a, a change. That's right. Or risk. Now, I don't yes. want to call it risk because there's no risk in, in casting someone of color in a non-traditional way. I think it's just a matter of having greater imagination about Absolutely. the show and the role. And as Tim Espinosa, <laughs> as a person that is from the Latinx community, this is something I know that you're very, you have a very passion for as well because it's something that you relate to. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it's not just limited to, uh, I think it's lim- not just limited to uh, black actors. It's not just limited to uh, Asian Pacific Islanders uh, or Latinx. I think it's, I think we need to embrace the uh, opportunity for all actors and actresses of color to have the opportunity to play roles that they normally perceive themselves as. And I think there's an important lesson as educators in this. Yes. I think the conversations that we have in the classroom, when we are teaching our musical theater acting and song, musical theater techniques classes, and we're assigning material to our students, I think we need to have greater, I keep saying this, greater imagination about how we brand and how we assign Uh, musical material to our students. I think we need to see if we have students from an Asian Pacific Island background, we shouldn't just assume that they should always get 
Miss Saigon, Saigon or Allegiance or songs from uh, Flower Drum Song. We need to look at their humanity. And who they are as a person and, and what they relate to, what music they like, what characters they want to bring to life, and that we make it an equal opportunity, of course, unless the musical calls for a specific, um, a specific person of color. I think that we need to say to our students, you can do this. You, you, we want you to see yourself in all roles and be an equal person to the actor that's next to you that may just be a white actor. And once we change that thought, that, that process, then anybody that's coming up that's young or, or, or going through college or even just training in their 20s can say, that is me on stage. And that's the change we really want to see right now. And that's absolutely correct. We have an obligation at the lower level, at the educational institutions, to make sure that we are reinforcing the fact that our students are more than just the color of their skin, but based on their humanity, the content of their character, their vocal range, their type. Uh, Their type is greater than the color of their skin. And if we keep reinforcing that, they will attend more auditions frequently and create opportunities for themselves and opportunities for people that are casting the show to view shows in a different kind of light absolutely and breaking the idea that there's one type like you can only play the type that is the best friend breaking that idea and just saying what can i bring to that character that's unique and that really showcases how i feel about this story that's right okay tim that was a great conversation that was i like that let's go back to our puzzler and let's find out what the answer was. Okay, so let's backtrack and let's uh, go over what the question was first, okay? So, what musical opened on Broadway in 1921 that was written, produced, directed, and performed all by black artists? The answer is Shuffle Along, the that, musical. That is absolutely correct. And Shuffle Along, I'm sorry, we, we want to go ahead no. and fill I'm so excited because I'm <laughs> literally in the middle of teaching this at UCI coming up this next fall quarter. So if you're listening out there, students, get ready. Um, Shuffle Along, a UB Blake, Noble Sissel musical, mm-hmm. really kicked off the... Um, career for Josephine Baker. Mm -hmm. And this musical was exactly what you said, all directed, produced, acted, everything by African-American black artists. That's right. And also what another amazing point about this show is the fact that it was one of the first all black productions to actually make serious money on a Broadway stage. Yes. And white audiences were paying serious money to see black performers on stage because they had the the quality of dance the type of performance that they were seeing was unparalleled to anything they were experiencing at that time on broadway absolutely it really took broadway by storm and it sparked many different i think like almost 10 to 12 different other productions very similar Mm -hmm. in that next decade in in 1921 1921 yes yes how do we want to go out for this conversation today so i want to leave you with some advice by andre de shields and his uh, 2019 Tony Awards acceptance speech for best performance by a featured actor in a musical. And he has three kind of pillars of advice that he wants that uh, he leaves for us all. So I want you to take a listen and we're going to send you out with this. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. So I would like to share with you just three cardinal rules of my ability and longevity. One Surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when they see you coming. Two, 
Slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And three, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next, so keep climbing.